Thrilled to be with you for a special tournament edition of the ACC Basketball Degenerates podcast brought to you by Three Notched Brewing. It's a special four weeks. We've just stepped into it. A reminder, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and any of the other major podcast outlets. We'd really appreciate it. Refer a friend. And uh, without further ado, in light of the circumstances and the calendar, we're honored to be joined once again by Mr. Ken Pomeroy, of course known for his in-depth statistical analysis. Subscribe to his site. We're club members here at the ACC B-Ball DGEN, so you should be too. KenPom.com is the website. Ken, good evening. We generally grab you back in November, December when uh, the five of us are the only ones paying attention to random non-conference games and trends, but glad to have you on in March when the nation decides to follow this great sport. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on again. Well, there's a variety of topics we could touch on, but in light of the tournament, let's go ahead and begin with these next couple of weeks. I think you just put a blog post up about how this might be your favorite time of the year, and even it's more enhanced than the NCAA tournament. So for me personally, I'm on the same wavelength as you, as this week being as good, if not better than the big dance. Um, you've said it on this podcast before as well. I, I'm guessing you're in Paradise, Nevada. For the WCC, but that's just a guess. Where are you? Where in the world is Ken Palm? What arena is he attending this week? Uh, I uh, will be kind of splitting my time between the uh, Pac-12 and the Mountain West tournaments, uh, checking out checking out the action there. So uh, you pretty much pretty much pegged it. All right, I'm close. So we're going to get into some of those teams eventually. Yeah, classic much, West Coast bias. Yeah, much of your Twitter activity revolves around. A lot of mid-major conferences. Now, I know you're a West Coast guy, which makes sense, but is there anything intentional about how you approach um, your tweets and some of your information to shed light on some of the happenings with teams most of the general public isn't familiar with due to start times that are, say, 10 o'clock, 1030, and also because major conferences get a lot of the attention? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a guy who doesn't like to to duplicate uh, other people's content, and so... You know, obviously, uh, there's plenty of people out there on Twitter who are experts on, you know, the ACC or more specifically, you know, North Carolina or Duke and, you know, other big conferences. So, um, you know, I, I like all of, the, all of the conferences pretty much, you know, equally, but, uh, but I'm not going to tweet out something, you know, critiquing, uh, you know, Grayson Allen's tripping ability or something like that when, you know, 8,000 other voices on Twitter have already done it, so... That's that's where that comes from. It also stems from the fact that I'm, you know, I'm out here in the mountain time zone, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm usually like if I'm locked into a game, it's usually the last game of the night. I mean, for whatever reason, you know, out here the games start earlier. Of course, the East Coast games start at like five o'clock, and so uh, I'm not always around for for the beginning of those games. So um, usually I'm I'm focused on the late games, whether it's a WCC yeah. game or a Pac-12 game or some other weird game from the Big West. And so that's that's another reason why I tweet out a lot about those teams. Yeah, but there are the exceptions. When Virginia Tech pulls a game out of its tail that it had no business winning, and then uh, we get a Ken Palm tweet when Virginia goes down in Castle Coliseum. So there are some exceptions. But <laughs> Anyway, yeah. uh, that rim, we talked about the rims last time with you, and, and I feel very vindicated about those rims. But Taylor, anyway, let's talk about the tournament. Taylor, you got some stuff for Ken. Yeah, so it was big news this year that uh, the selection committee for the NCAA tournament revealed that they are taking into account some more metrics, specifically the ratings from uh, KinPom.com. So your ratings, and you actually met with some representatives. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like to be in the room with them and 
um, I mean, what you guys discussed or what you talked to them and what you came away with from that, that interaction? Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to meet with those guys. I mean, uh, I, uh, you know, I think when I first started out in this business, it was kind of easy to be like mad at the world and think that everybody else is stupid except for me. And, uh, and then you kind of grow up and you learn that, you know, people really aren't that stupid and they're trying to do what's best. And, uh, the NCAA gets a lot of criticism and, and some of it's justified, but, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to change one's methods, um, especially methods that have been, you know, basically ingrained in the selection process for, you know, over three decades. Um, so, uh, for, for them to kind of reach out to other people for input on how to, uh, basically improve the, you know, objective data part of the process, um, I thought was great, especially considering that it's really not happening in other sports. You know, I, tons of other sports in the NCAA also use the RPI uh, as a guideline, and, and uh, I don't think there's really any movement uh, in those other sports to kind of change. So, um, so it was great to be a part of it, and, you know, we just kind of – it was kind of an open-ended discussion, you know, really just kind of trying to focus the, um, the folks in the NCAA and on the selection committee, kind of making sure they understood what our, our metrics did, you know, some like the RPI and like the KPI are uh, kind of results-based metrics, and then you have the BPI, which I think is trending more towards being a predictive metric, like mine is, like Sagrin's is. So, um, just kind of clarifying uh, the issues, I think, was probably the best thing that came out of it, and uh, hopefully that'll set a path forward where we can have uh, um, you know better numbers to kind yeah. of uh, you know support the selection process. Yeah. Well. That said, let me uh, dig right into some of these, some of the teams that they're going to be, um, you know, making decisions about. Clemson is a team that is really highly rated, relatively in your ratings, are 35th um, according to your numbers. But of course, their record doesn't really reflect that, and they're, you know, maybe not even considered a bubble team right now. If you, in your gut, right now, if you had to make a decision on them making the tournament, how do you feel about Clemson? Yeah, I mean, that gets, you know, so that gets to the heart of the matter. Like, do you, do you want uh, to kind of preserve the sanctity of a team's record and the outcome of the game, or do you want to actually have the 36, you know, best, you know, most talented teams in the tournament? And, I mean, as I, as I wrote in my blog, I, you know, after that meeting, I mean, I, even though my rating is, uh, you know, uh, predictive and, and I like it and I think it's pretty good for identifying which teams are best, you, Realistically, you probably want to preserve the results of the game and, and at least have the inclusion, you know, the selection part of um, the at-large bids be based on uh, results, you know, obviously accounting for strength of schedule in that uh, process. So, I mean, it's hard for me to kind of justify Clemson getting in. They're certainly good enough to get in. Like, if they got in, they wouldn't embarrass themselves, and they're going to be as good as some teams that get selected. But, um, you know, even though a lot of their close losses, I feel like, were – you know, somewhat, uh, there's so much snake bit and certainly, uh, you know, they've been hurt by buzzer beaters as much as anybody. Um, mm. you know, I would have to keep them out based on the quality of their wins and, and the quality of their losses. Yeah, kid. One thing I've noticed over the last two years is the criteria seems to have stabilized to a certain degree from the committee. It used to be, oh, this year the committee is really penalizing for bad losses or this given year, the non-conference isn't a big deal or this given year, late season performances matters. Um, I feel the committee is valuing teams who take on a gauntlet in non-conference action 
and produce road victories, as evidenced by Duke receiving a one seed two years ago, despite not winning a conference regular season or a tournament title. And the Virginia was the same case last year. They they didn't win either of the two, and they were also a one seed. Are you yourself witnessing more consistency coming from the committee, or is it just me? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I do feel like a common thread, you know, in recent years has been kind of looking at bulk number of quality wins and, you know, especially attention to road wins perhaps, but um, certainly uh, they like teams that pile up quality wins and uh, whether, you know, you get five top 50 wins in eight games or 14 games doesn't really matter a whole lot to them. It matters some, but maybe not as much as it should. Um, I mean, I think you're always going to have some inconsistency simply because the, the criteria isn't really, there is no criteria. You know, there's really nothing beyond select 36 best teams. And when you have 10 guys in a room, they're kind of free to, A, they're free to like use their own criteria. They're free to use whatever metrics they want. And, you know, when it's all said and done, you know, there's one guy that comes out, I guess it'll be Mark Hollis this year, who's the chairman of the committee, and he comes out and has to defend the selections. But, he, you know, he doesn't know why eight other people selected this team. They could have all had, you know, completely different reasons for, sure. for doing so. So I think it's, it's hard to really wrap your, your hands around what's, what the criteria is. Exactly. I, I don't think it's, you know, often it's just pretty random. It's just a random mix of 10 guys' opinions, basically. You touched on strength of schedule. I want to go there, and I want to get to the Gonzaga question. You know, their strength of schedule is nowhere near any of the other top teams in your rankings, yet they rate out very well in your system, and they occupy the top spot currently. You know, say they get bounced early in the tournament, or St. Mary's flames out early. Would that be enough, or does it have to happen in consecutive years to sort of make you scratch your head about weighing competition, or is it the opposite, where one game really can't encapsulate the overall quality of a team since it's such a ridiculously small sample size? Uh, I think uh, it depends on you know what we mean by flame out. I mean, obviously, if Gonzaga loses... Uh, let's assume they get the one seed and they lose to a 16 seed. I mean, that's pretty strong evidence that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't anything close to the best team in the country. Um, you know, what was it, like four years ago they were, was the last time they were The Olympic team. Yeah, the Olympic team lost to Wichita yeah. State in the, in the round of 32, but, I mean, Wichita State did advance to the Final Four that year. So Right, exactly. So, I mean, they struggled in their, in their first game, actually, with Southern. Uh, and you know, pulled away in the last few minutes. So that was that was scary for like 35 minutes. Then they played Wichita State, and I think got pretty much smoked. I mean, that game wasn't all that close. And so I think the initial reaction was, "Wow, you know, you know, this team's super overrated." And of course, Wichita State went on and got the Final Four and played Louisville tough. And and that I think maybe should have redeemed Gonzaga a little bit. But um, but I mean, that's where the judgment comes into play. You know, I'm not. Uh, I'll be the first to admit, like, they're extremely difficult to rate. Yeah. You know, they, mm-hmm. I mean, they just completely destroyed their conference. So, you know, I mean, they're pretty good. They're, yeah. they're definitely a top 10 team in my mind. Um, are they the best team in the country? No, probably not. But um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what they do in the tournament because I do think this is the, the strongest team that they've had since Mark T's been there. Ken, if you had one, if you had one thing that you could change about the way the selection process happens, could wave a magic wand and change, you know, one thing the committee looks at or one way it's set up or one way we evaluate the team, what, what would it be for you to make it a better process? Well, I, I mean, I guess there's a question of, like, what is realistic and what is not. But, I mean, if I had my way, the, the selection process would be highly based on objective data. You know, I think when it comes down to it, it's, 
the, the real problem the committee has is kind of, you know, comparing uh, a Wichita State to, you know, an Iowa State where one team is playing top 50 competition night in, night out and, you know, going like 500 or a little above 500 against it. And another team is never playing top 50 competition, but consistently winning, you know, winning easily against teams in the 100 to 200 range. And the committee is really bad at judging the latter, like giving teams credit for, for consistently beating weaker opponents. And, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot harder to do than I think most humans think, you know, like it's easy to beat a weaker team once or twice. You know, you can, the ACC, you know, you can, you can beat Boston College twice and it seems like it's easy, but if you had to, you know, play them 20 times, you'd lose once or twice. And, uh, uh, unless you're a really good team like Wichita State, maybe you wouldn't lose at all. But um, so in that, I, just you know, based on experience and how much trouble people have judging that, I would, I would rather have a formula that basically dictates the process, and we could you know be open source, and we could see how it works, and um, we could see how teams move up and down towards the end of the season. We'd know exactly who who was in right now and who was out, and who needed wins in the conference tournament. I mean, I think that would be uh, a pretty incredible thing, and of course, it would render the Selection show mostly obsolete, which uh, would is why it'll never happen. But uh, that would be to me the the best best way forward. Yeah. So um, so maybe you can build a system to do that. You know, so build on your existing stuff. Um, do, looking at the NCAA tournament right now, do you have a team that you can you can pick out and give us an inside line on that you think is going to surprise some people? Somebody that you're keeping an eye on. Um, you can name as many teams as you like. <laughs> I mean, it's you know this year's weird because uh, usually there is a team. Usually there's a team that's like just fits that profile of kind of uh, in some ways like Clemson, like you know losing a lot of close games but beating other you know good teams by a lot, and and they're just kind of like hanging below the surface. Um, but I think you know it's when you investigate the numbers, it's pretty obvious that they they're a pretty good team. But you know this year, I'm trying to find like teams that are under the radar, and it's hard to. I mean, uh, I guess. You know, the team I keep throwing out there is SMU, uh, who... Uh, we love uh, SMU, yeah. <laughs> love them. They, uh, is that just because they, they play in the American and nobody knows about them? What's that? Is that just because they play in the American and nobody really yeah. seems to have watched them or know about them? That I mean, that's uh, that's the impression I get. I mean, you look at the AP poll and they're ranked just, you know, the same as they're ranked in mine. So it's not like uh, it's crazy to say that they could, you know, go to the Elite Eight or something. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think people watch the American Conference all that much, and it's not even that interesting to watch this season because SMU and Cincinnati have been so much better than all the other teams that there really aren't any competitive games, even if you were to take the time to, to try and find where they are on TV. So, right. um, so I think that's the reason I kind of consider them under the radar. But, um, I mean, they're a, they're a solid team. You know, I think the best thing, honestly, the best thing that could have happened to them was for Larry Brown to – you know, abruptly retire because, you know, now Tim Jankovic is in there and he's basically, you know, installed kind of a more modern offense where they're taking the three-point shot and their offense has just been absolutely, you know, a killer this year. And, you know, their defense has been pretty good too. So, uh, to me, that's going to be a a tough draw for for anybody that ends up facing them. All right, Ken, since you watch plenty of games and follow the college game closely, I'm interested to ask – is there any team who is popping off the page for you from an eye test standpoint who you think, man, I wonder why – I think that team's really good. I'm wondering why they might be a little bit lower in my rankings or maybe even vice versa. Yeah, I mean, you know, so there's the issue with UCLA, I guess. You know, um, they're you know, yeah. 16th in my system, and they might 
who knows what's going to happen this week, but they might end up, you know, going off as the favorite to win the NCAA tournament, which would be pretty interesting. Um, like, I understand why they're not rated high in my system. I mean, I think people – I think what happens is what happens. Like, UCLA wins at Kentucky earlier in the season. That was an outstanding win. It might have been the best single performance of any team this season. And so um, people see that and kind of say, hey, that's who UCLA is, and they carry that forward into conference play and – Pac-12 was pretty weak, so UCLA won a lot of games in conference play. They, you know, of course, losing to basically Arizona and, and you know having to USA. do Oregon. I mean, those are those are your three good teams in, in conference play. So, so the record's really good, and uh, they have that win over Kentucky. And so people think they're awesome. And obviously, they have a flashy point guard and um, another really good freshman, TJ Lee. I mean, they have a lot of parts there that make you think they're really good. But uh, yeah, I do. Uh, it's not that I wonder why they're so low, but I am really kind of interested to see how things play out in the next few weeks because. Their defense has obviously been lackluster most of the season. It has improved late as they started to kind of work in more zone. But uh, that is a team that uh, I will be fascinated to watch and see if they, uh, you know, if they look like a, a top two or three team or if they look like a team that's ranked 15 to 20. Well, uh, let's jump back to the ACC tournament really quickly. It's going on. How far do you see your Hokies uh, going in the ACC tournament? Well, you know, uh, they have a they have a tough draw with Lake Forest already. I mean, I uh, my system has them as uh, an underdog in that game, and imagine that uh, Vegas will follow suit. So, um, been a it's been a wacky year for the Hokies. Actually, they've been a, you know an amazing shooting team. I mean, it's pretty incredible how well they've shot the ball, and then how little they basically gotten out of the offense. You know, they. They're essentially an average ACC offense on a per possession basis. Yet they're, you know, one of the best shooting teams that, that the conference has had. You know, so, so I don't know how to like reconcile those two. I mean, I, is there like a higher ceiling for them? You know, if they can just like, you know, make a bunch of shots and and cut down on the turnovers, um, could they go farther? I I don't know. You know, there's a flip side of it. Is what happens when they, you know, cool off shooting wise. Uh, then they're going to have some problems. I mean, it's obviously not going to be easy to get shots at the rim against John Collins. So, um, so all those issues are kind of floating around in my head. But uh, I, I'm, uh, I mean, as a fan, I guess I'm optimistic. But certainly, as like an analyst, I'm pretty reserved on, on the possibility of a deep run this week. All right, we got a <laughs> couple more questions. Taylor, fire away. Sure. Uh, same, same. You know, realm here in the ACC tournament. Do you think that the uh, voters got the uh, Player of the Year? right this year in the ACC? Uh, so it was Justin Jackson, correct? correct? Right. Yeah. And he's not even, like, in my top five. Exactly. Yeah, it, my, it has my, to be, uh, it's Bonzi. It has to be Bonzi. He's in your top ten, right? Well, I was going to say, Luke and I are both just waiting for you to pick the guy that we want. You know, I want you to say John Collins, and he wants you to say Bonzi Colson. So, yeah, well, you, you know, want. so he's not, like, uh, uh, Jackson's not in the top five of my ACC players, let alone the country. So, yeah. Um, it was a, yeah, it was a curious choice. I thought, even just looking like, you know, if I had to like look at his numbers, be like, well, I mean, I don't totally trust my formula. It's, it's kind of a uh, you know hastily derived formula that I did over a couple of nights. So I don't think it's like the end all be all. But uh, but John Collins is uh, yeah at the top of my list, and uh, I I agree with my computer in this case. I mean, that dude has been unreal, especially you know closing out the season. Um, so I, I, just, I don't know why he doesn't get more respect, uh, you know, in the ACC, let alone nationally. Uh, I mean, I feel, I do feel like he's been just uh, an amazing breakout player this year and Bonzi's a good choice as well. I mean, I, he's number two on my list and, uh, they've kind of been going back and forth, but Collins, uh, 
finally put them away here down mm. the stretch. So either of those two, I feel like, are better choices. But it definitely pays to play in an up-tempo system where you can pad the, the counting stats a little bit more. And certainly North Carolina winning the league, obviously, helped a little yeah. bit. But uh, to me, it's not even close. Like, John Collins has been such an impact player for Wake Forest this year. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. And, you know, Coach of the Year is something that's hard to kind of rate. And uh, I, I was shocked to see Pastor get it. I think usually the... The coach who wins the league gets it, unless it's really Williams or Shashevsky in recent years. All right, Ken, uh, since they've you know they've piled up plenty of accolades, but Ken, let's go here to close this down. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of storylines out there. You're a curious guy watching basketball. We're curious as well. Uh, let's talk about things, questions you're looking to have answers to, or how things play out over the next couple of weeks, including conference championships and also the the Big Dance. For example, for me, I, I'm I'm fascinated to see what happens to the Big Ten. In the tournament, that's that's one of my number one questions. But what are some of your questions floating out there that you're really curious to find answers to? Well, certainly the the eternal debate of the Big Twelve versus the ACC. I mean, that we'll see how that plays out in the tournament. And uh, I'm obviously uh, on record as being a, a, a Big Twelve guy. I feel like that conference has been uh, significantly stronger than the ACC this year. But certainly, the tournament can play a role in kind of. Uh, you know, breaking that tie. Although it's not a tie, but they, you know, if, if the, <laughs> if the Big Twelve just flames out and the ACC, you know, sends you know six teams in the Sweet Sixteen or something, then I'm prepared to be like persuaded in a different direction. But, um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how how the Kansases and the Baylors and the West Virginias uh, uh, and Iowa State or Oklahoma State, you know, I mean, those are probably the only five teams that the Big Twelve will get in, but they're all going to be, I think, seated in the top half of the bracket and all playing well. So, uh, so we'll see what happens with that. But I, I think, you know. To me, like you know, like you say, like I like kind of thinking about things on a conference level at this point because we haven't seen non-conference play uh, for a couple of months, really, with a few minor exceptions. And yeah. so, uh, seeing what happens when these teams come back out of the the weeds and, and end up playing non-conference teams is uh, always a, a fascinating uh, viewing experience. All right, Ken, thanks so much for the time. The website is kenpalm.com. You can subscribe, and you can get plenty more information than just that front page. There is a entire rabbit hole to go down if you subscribe so pay them a visit there and tell us what's happening at, at your website you, you do plenty of blog posts which are certainly uh, informative and useful even in the summertime from coaches to referee ratings so what's what's new at the website for you yeah i mean well this week is just cranking out uh tournament forecast using my ratings and kind of giving all the probabilities for various teams to, to win their tournament and uh continue that when we get to the NCAA tournament when the, the field is announced and uh, post some probabilities on my blog for that as well. All right. Thanks so much, Ken. Thanks, we Ken. Enjoy uh, some West Coast basketball, some West Coast tournament action, whether you're in Nevada or California, Pac-12, all that good stuff. And uh, don't get trapped out in the desert, my friend. And we'll, we'll try to catch up with you uh, sometime soon again. All right. Sounds great, guys. Nice talking to you. All right. There it is.